Hello, and welcome to INS's Talking in Vain. This is part one of our three-part series entitled Demystifying Gout. Today's episode is being brought to you by an educational grant from Horizon Pharma and is titled Demystifying Gout, Exploring the Pathophysiology, Population Prevalence, and Dietary Influences of Gout. I'm Dawn Barrent, the Infusion Nurse Educator for the INS. I would like to introduce our guest today for this series, Vicki Sales. Vicki is the Clinical Nurse Manager for the Department of Rheumatic and Immunologic Diseases at the Cleveland Clinic Foundation in Cleveland, Ohio. She is board certified in ambulatory nursing, rheumatology nursing, and infusion nursing. Vicki currently serves as treasurer of the Rheumatology Nurse Society. She has presented at various conferences in the United States, speaking on subjects such as infusion nursing, infusion medications, biologic drugs, and biosimilar drugs. Vicki, we are delighted to have you as our guest. Okay, Vicki, our first question today is let's start out by having you tell us what gout is. Okay, well, gout is a fairly common type of inflammatory arthritis that causes periods of painful swelling in your joints. It's similar in many ways to rheumatoid arthritis, but it's not an autoimmune disease. It's a metabolic disorder caused by the buildup of uric acid crystals in the joints, kidneys, and other systems. Okay, so what does the patient experience? What happens when gout makes its appearance? Uh, Symptoms commonly occur in the middle of the night or first thing in the morning with gout patients and are characterized by excruciating pain, warmth in the joint, redness, and swelling. Most of the time, the symptoms appear suddenly and cause agonizing pain. It generally attacks the big toe, feet, and ankles, but can also appear in any joint of the body. I have heard that this is extremely painful. So tell us, what is the cause of gout? Gout is caused by a buildup of uric acid, which is a waste product from the breakdown of chemicals called purines in your body. Purines are a natural part of DNA that we all have in our bodies. Normally, excess uric acid is passed out of the body through the kidneys, but if the kidneys cannot remove it from the body normally, the level of uric acid in the urine will decrease and cause solid crystals to form in in your body. Mm. When this happens, a person may develop kidney stones or gout. Okay. Are there certain populations that are more at risk for gout than others? Well, the overall risk for developing gout is about 4% in the United States. In the African-American population, the risk rises to approximately 5%. Interestingly, the Hmong Chinese population in the United States reported twice the incidence as Mm. the general population. Mm. That is interesting. It is also more prevalent in the New Zealand Maori population as well as the Polynesian population of New Zealand. Gout is more prevalent in men, but women can experience it also. Mm -hmm. It's more common as we age, and several factors such as obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, kidney disorders, diuretic use, hypercholesteremia, and excessive alcohol drinking which includes mostly beer, can make the risk higher. Mm -hmm. In addition, the disease can be hereditary, and diet plays a big role in its cause. Those who drink sodas with high fructose corn syrup and foods with high purine content are more likely to be diagnosed with gout. Okay, so we're 
we're kind of hitting on that dietary piece now. So this is really interesting. Tell us what foods are high in purine. Well, mostly red meats and organ meats, like liver, beef liver, tongue, as well as shellfish, such as shrimp and lobster, are high in purine. Also, refined carbohydrates like white bread, white rice, pasta, and sugar are included. Anything that's bad for you, pretty much. Processed uh, foods such as yeah, chips, snack foods, and frozen meals, along with sugary beverages and alcoholic drinks, contain high levels of purine. In other words, anything that tastes good. Ooh, okay, okay. So what should I eat if I'm diagnosed with gout? Um, as with any healthy diet, start with fresh fruits and vegetables, um, you can you can have skim milk, low-fat dairy products such as cheese, yogurt, and cottage cheese, and whole grain pasta, rice, and bread. Um, the whole grain is the key to that, not the white mm-hmm. um, processed bread. Okay. Um, plant oils such as olive oil, canola oil, and sunflower oil are also very good for you. Um, you should drink plenty of water to flush the kidneys and vitamin C supplements, 500 milligrams mm. or more, but not too much seem to assist in decreasing uric acid levels in the blood. Used in moderation, coffee even plays a part in uric acid reduction. While dietary changes, as discussed, may help to decrease attacks, always discuss any dietary changes with your physician. Of course, we need to do that. I'm really glad to hear that coffee can be helpful. Um, We don't want to give up our coffee under any circumstances. (laughs) (laughs) So... You have a case study for us today. Um, Why don't you go ahead and start telling us about that? Sure. So I'm going to share this case study that follows a patient's process from diagnosis through treatment. For our listeners' assurance, we want to let you know this case study has been de-identified and modified to ensure we are not sharing information that might violate HIPAA standards. We will come back to this study in our next two discussions as well. Let's call patient Mike. His story takes place over a span of several years. Let me introduce him to you. So Mike Mike um, was diagnosed, his onset of gout was age 47. Oh, he's young. He is <laughs> young, but it uh, it does happen a lot in middle age. Okay, um, okay. So Mike presented with a swollen and painful right big toe that had begun three days prior. Um, the only other area that were bothering him in his body were his shoulders, he complained of being unable to lay on his left side due to, due to his shoulder pain. He did not complain of any morning stiffness, other swollen or painful joints besides his big toe. He was frequently disturbed by pain during the night in his shoulders, but stated that it was barely even noticeable since his toe started to hurt. Mm. Must have been pretty painful. Mm-hmm. He had mildly decreased range of motion in his wrist and elbows, and the physician noticed the presence of tophi in both elbows and areas of both hands. The physician ordered labs, shoulder and hand x-rays, and aspirated fluid from his big toe joint. Oh, that sounds painful. Okay, go on. <laughs> Tell us more about oh. Mike. Okay, Mike's past medical history was positive for hypertension, vitamin D deficiency, carpal tunnel syndrome, low testosterone, kidney stones, and he had a past surgical repair of his left ureter. He had never smoked, did not drink alcohol, nor use illegal drugs. It's interesting, Mm -hmm. um, a couple of things. He didn't drink alcohol, and he had um, the surgical repair of his left ureter. Okay. And, and, you know, in the list of things, of the risk factors, 
certainly someone who drinks alcohol is a little bit more prone. So he is a, a bit atypical at, exactly. at, as we first look at him. Okay. Right. Tell us some more. Was he taking any current medications or anything? Yes, he was. He was taking Celseps, 1,500 milligrams daily, Tacrolimus, 6 milligrams daily, Atenolol, 25 milligrams, Vitamin D, 2,000 milligrams a day, Iron, 65 milligrams, um, Fomatidine, 20 milligrams, Aspirin, 81 milligrams, and Bactrim once daily. So he falls in the category of somebody who has some other problems, um, maybe exactly. some high blood pressure. So there were some things that he was already being treated for that are on that list of concerns that put us at risk for gout. Um, exactly, especially the atenolol. Um, any uh, atenolol can uh, play a play a role in gout. Okay. Taking that medication. Okay, interesting. So, what what other um, information do we have about Mike? So, interestingly, Mike's family history was positive for gout in his father, brother, and paternal grandfather. Oh. Okay. Yes, and gout. Gout can play a hereditary factor also. Okay, all right. And um, when he presented, he he came with outside lab results. Um, his uric acid was 6.6 milligrams per deciliter two weeks previously, which is slightly high. Slightly um, high. Okay. Yes, it should be under 6. Okay, so under 6 is, is kind of what's, what's normal. So... Let's um, go ahead and test our audience with a knowledge question. Uh, see if we can see what people know already about gout. Okay. My question is, is uric acid always elevated in the presence of gout? Well, I think you're going to have to answer this one for us. <laughs> I think that most people believe that it is, that that is the only way to diagnose gout, which it isn't. Um, because hyperuricemia is is a serum uric acid level consistently higher than 6.8 milligrams per deciliter. Mm. But during an acute gout flare, levels can be lower or only slightly elevated. Okay. Okay, so I wonder if when Mike first came into the clinic, was he in an acute flare, in an acute I, phase? I'm pretty sure he was, yes. Okay, okay. So they did aspirate his joint, thinking, ooh, you know, this looks suspicious. And you mentioned a, a strange word, TOFI, earlier in your discussion. Uh, I know we're going to probably talk about this in another podcast, um, but can you give us a little bit of information about what that word means right now? Sure, sure. TOFI um, is the buildup of uric acid crystals in or near a joint. So it's something that we can kind of see from the outside even? It is, and, and I don't know if anybody has ever seen rheumatoid arthritis nodules. They're very similar, and that's why a lot of times um, gout is misread as rheumatoid arthritis because the, the deposits look very similar. I see. So thinking about our case study, it sounds like we're really concerned that Mike may have gout, um, there are items in his health history that indicate that uh, we need to investigate further, and we also f identify some risk factors that he has and some other, other behavioral factors that indicate that he really isn't in that category. 
So I know that we're going to come back and talk about Mike in our next few podcasts that we have when we're demystifying gout. Um, I want to thank you so much, Vicki, for being with us here today on our Talking in Vain podcast um, with the Infusion Nurses Society. And we invite our listeners to join us again in a few weeks because we're going to continue this discussion on demystifying gout. And Thank you very much, Dawn. Thank you for being here. <laughs>